You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. We've been, we've been doing a series called We Believe. This is based out of the creed. I find it fascinating because we live in a society where we are bombarded with information all the time. I read this week that there are 140,000 websites launched every day. There are two million articles posted on the internet every day. And that they reckon that the average human being, and obviously we live in Ealing, so we're slightly above average, <laughs> get 105,000 words spoken to them every day that they take in. They reckon that the information that you take in in a week is 34 gigabytes no, sorry, a day. 34 gigabytes of information a day. You look at all the screen stuff. Enough to burn out a laptop in a week. Wow. And yet we've taken this time, we're doing five weeks, to look at something that's not a new bit of information. It's not just come on the information highway. It's the Nicene Creed. We're taking five weeks to look at this document. It was compiled 1,700 years ago, A.D. 325. It was drafted under the Roman Emperor Constantine, and we think it contains all the Christians believe, the foundations, the essentials, the basics. We talked about pencil, ink, and blood doctrines, and this is the blood doctrines. If you want to know more about that, listen to week one. We've looked at Father Almighty. We've looked at the Eternal Son. Obviously, when we're going to say it, you're going to think, Pete, you should be doing the Holy Spirit, but I'm going to be looking at baptism and the church for obvious reasons this morning. So we've been saying this together, so the words should now come up. And before I speak, I'd love us all to say this out together. We believe in one God, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Fantastic. Father, we do pray that you continue to speak to us. We love hearing your voice. We believe that you change us. One word from you can do what 105,000 words from someone else couldn't. We do ask for that word right now. Now, many of you say, oh, that's the creed, Pete, and that is really helpful, but actually it's not the inspired word of God. And so we've been saying each time that we look at this, where do we get these thoughts from the Bible? So if you have a Bible, I would love it if you could turn to Matthew 28. Matthew chapter 28. And many of you will know this. It's nicknamed or got a title in the Bible, The Great Commission. I'm going to read this to you from verse 16 to verse 20. Then... The eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, 
They worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So obviously for the disciples, this was a really key and exciting moment. Jesus has died on the cross. They've been absolutely wrecked with sadness, disappointment. He's risen from the dead and they think, wow, this is just incredible. He then gives these words to them. And many of us would say, oh yeah, the word there, baptism, is so clearly seen in Matthew 28. We are called to take the wonderful news of Jesus to make disciples of all nations and to baptize. The reality is that what these two people are doing this morning is not just for the ultra-committed. Baptism is for anyone who says they follow Jesus. Yes. And, and you know, Jesus is saying, actually, I want, you to, I want you to go and baptize. And so if you're here and you're a believer today and you think, God, I've never been baptized, I want you to realize this is not just for some special folk, this is for you. Now, there's so many things that we could pull out of this, so many truths. That, you know, we've been looking at this creed. Jesus says, I'm going to baptize you, baptize them in the name of the Father. He doesn't say the names. That's fascinating, isn't it? Because we come to the one God who is three. Oh, but we did that in week one, so I mustn't get sidetracked. But I think there's a beautiful example even there, isn't there? The Trinity, it's the Father, Son, and the Spirit, but it's the one name. That's how we come, we get baptized. There's something about us connecting to this almighty trinity. So why is baptism so important? Watchman Nee, he was a Chinese church leader in the 20th century, said this, baptism is an outward expression of an inward faith. So when you get baptized, you are basically saying, I am prepared to obey the commands of Christ. Now this morning, they're going to be doing it on baptism. But I pray they obey the commands of Christ on Monday, on Tuesday, and Wednesday. By getting baptized, why is it so important? Because you are copying the example of Christ. Jesus himself was baptized. We can read about it, can't we, in Matthew 3. It says, when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. There was this incredible opportunity of Jesus getting baptized and encountering God. Although we see people getting wet, we do believe this is a wonderful opportunity to encounter God. Max Licardo, he's an author and writer and a preacher from Texas, says, baptism is bowing before the Father and letting him do his work. Now, I'm not sure that our church, if I'm really honest, is very good at understanding some of the symbolism of baptism. And so I'd like just to take a moment, because I believe this is very symbolic. And so I want us to just stop and appreciate it. The reality is that people that are baptized are transformed. Why do I say that? The reality is we've got a pool at the back. Uh, at the end, we're all going to scrum around it. Hopefully, you'll all get to see it. There will be no doubt at the end of the meeting who's been baptized. Because they just look a drip, don't they? 
You know what I'm saying? They are soaked, they're wet, they've been immersed, they've been dunked, they've been marinated. They look different. You see, because baptism is symbolic of transformation that's gone on in people's lives. When you follow Jesus, your identity is radically changed. Obviously, I'm very proud to say I am an Arsenal man. But that doesn't determine my true identity inside. It just knows who I cheer on when they beat Everton this afternoon. The reality is when you follow Christ, you are transformed on the inside. You are completely changed. It's symbolic of that transformation. It's symbolic of washing. The reality is anywhere in the world, people wash with water. It might be hot, it might be cold, it might be out of a shower, it might be in a bath, it might be in a river, it might be in a lake. It is a symbol of dirty people getting clean. When you follow Jesus, you admit that sin has made you dirty. You admit the things you think, the things you say, the things you do, it stains you. And so when you get into the baptism, Paul, what you're really saying is, Jesus, I am trusting you to clean me. There's a symbolism of it in Acts 22. It says, rise and be baptized and wash away your sins. This is not special holy water. I filled it up, the pool, this morning. It's literally come from the town hall. You know, we've not flown this in from the Jordan or anything like that. But it's symbolic. It's symbolic that you've been washed. It is symbolic that you have died and risen. I grew up in a Baptist church. And in our church building, in the floor, we had a big hole. And on a baptism Sunday, you'd literally lift the boards off and people went down into this grave. We would do that today. There's no hole in the floor, but literally there was a pushing down into the water and pulling back up. And the candidates are literally saying, do you know what? This is symbolic that I've died to myself and that I'm going to live for Jesus Christ. Paul writes to the church in Rome and says, We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. This is so symbolic. And... and Some of us, to be honest, we've seen lots of baptisms. Some of us, it might be our first. We think, wow. We miss out on the fact that we do it in a pool. Some people baptize in running water. I read of one example in church history where they would only baptize in a stream. And and the idea was that the, the, the water picked up your sins and carried them out to the sea. And I thought it was quite symbolic, isn't it? This sort of, well, actually, running water is quite symbolic in the Bible of, of God flowing towards us. We don't get that. We do full immersion, but sometimes even when they anoint, I sometimes think there's an anointing of God. Well, I'm talking about baptism today, and I'm talking about the Nicene Creed. Well, this guy, and I've got a picture of Cyril of Jerusalem. I took it from his Instagram page. <laughs> Okay, I found it on the internet. I I believe it's him. He was a distinguished theologian at the time. And he recorded how they did baptism when the Nicene Creed was written. So I thought that would be really interesting just to read that. I am not saying that this is how we're going to do it in future here. You see, what they used to do is if you were getting baptized, and I was thinking I'd get the two people out, but I don't want to embarrass them. 
I will act it out, some of it. If you're getting baptized, you had to face west. Well, it's got to be that way, isn't it? Uxbridge. You would face west before you got baptized. You would put your hand out before baptism and say, Satan, I reject you. And so this was part of baptism. It was saying, actually, I don't want that. In fact, it was stronger than that. What it really said was, Satan, I spit at you. <laughs> then, before you got baptized, when the Nicene Creed was done, according to Cyril of Jerusalem, you would then face east and raise your hand again. Because east is where the sun comes up. It's where there's life and newness. And you would declare a blessing looking for the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to touch you. In those days, this is what I said, we're not changing to this now, it was single-sex baptism. So you didn't get baptized in front of the whole church. Hmm. Why? Well, I can explain now. They had an inner chamber, and basically you went into the inner chamber and you removed all your clothes. I'm talking butt naked, not a stitch. Why was this? It was symbolic that your old life had gone. You'd literally taken off your old clothes and you'd left them there. It was symbolic that you associated with Jesus Christ who died on a cross completely naked. And so they tried to understand some of the symbolism around this. As I said, guys baptized guys, women baptized women. They would pour oil on the candidate when they had stripped naked and cast out any demon that was there. When they got into the pool to baptize them, they actually pushed them down three times. It was in the name of literally the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they felt that this identified you with the three days that Jesus spent in the tomb. They would then anoint you with oil again. It would be on your forehead to take away shame. It would be on your ear so that you could hear the Holy Spirit. It would be on your nostrils so that you could take in the aroma of Christ. And it would be on your chest so that you could have the breastplate of righteousness there. And then they used to clothe them in white. Now, you just pretend I did everything else and I've worn a white shirt. And when they clothed them back in white, they then used to bring them back into the church hall. And they then used to take the bread and the cup for the first time. And so there was this amazing picture of your identity of returning to the church. Baptism is a massively symbolic act. Now, I'm not saying that we've got to resurrect all those things. Yeah, We're not going to start putting a screen up and do single-sex baptism. We're not expecting... People think, God, I'm glad I got in today before they change the patterns. <laughs> if you're thinking, I wanted to get baptized next time, but I'm not doing that. Do anything for Jesus. No, no. <laughs> We're not going down those roads. But it makes you think, what is the symbolism behind this? What are we understanding Watchman Nee again says this, baptism is faith in action. These people trust in Jesus Christ. They trust that Jesus Christ came and he lived on this earth. He lived a perfect life. He died a death that we deserve, that he rose again and now they're trusting him. And there's a symbolic act that identifies them with him. 
And I believe that that's what they reflected in the Nicene Creed 1,700 years ago. So we look at baptism and we also look today at the church. It says in the Nicene Creed, we believe in one holy, Catholic and apostolic church. And some of you are thinking, I don't understand that. Holy, let's go for the first word. Holy means set apart in purity and obedience. Holiness is not just about the sins you avoid, it's about the passion that you pursue. It's not just about turning your back on things that are wrong. Holiness is saying, God, I want more and more of you. Holy. Catholic. Some of you think, why are we saying that here? Catholic really means universal. It's, it's the word general. It's not... It'll be the whole world. It's not Roman Catholic. And so what happens now is we've turned it into, oh, you're a Catholic, Roman Catholic church, or Protestant church. When this came out, it was actually, are you part of the church? And so many would say, and I would say that now, we meet together with the other ministers of the town because actually Jesus is coming back for one bride. The Bible doesn't describe us as a harem. You know, Jesus, sleep with me tonight. He comes back for one bride and says, I love you. That's what's understood in this creed. Apostolic. Occasionally, you see churches put that in their title. Apostolic really means sent out into the world. It means commissioned. Right, I've got a charge for you. What do you want me to do? I want you to go and do this. Okay. Now, we see all of that in Matthew 28. And you might think, really? I can see the baptism, Pete, but where's the rest? Jesus said, teach them to obey. I would say he's saying, I want you to be holy. What they were saying is they said, oh yeah, if I just had this passage, Jesus was saying, I want you to go into the world, make disciples, teach them to obey. It's not just about one act. It's about holy living for him. I'd love to think that these people are... Ch- I'm not saying they're perfect when they come out of the water. But we are saying, oh, they're saying, actually, I radically want to live for him. Catholic. What does that mean? Well, actually, Jesus said here, go and make disciples of all nations. You see, Jesus was saying to him, actually, I want everybody to feel welcome. I want you to be connected to all nations. And that will be our intention for the church as well. There are 172 nationalities that just live in the borough of Ealing. It would break my heart if we had to have 172 different churches. Because the churches, the nations come together. And some of us might say, oh, I don't, you know, golly, we listen to different kinds of music, eat different kinds of food, wear different kinds of clothes. Hey, this is the church together. This is what is surely biblical. This is what they wanted in the first place. Apostolic. Jesus is constantly on mission. He was saying to his disciples here, go, go, go. You've got the wonderful news to spread about Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, I'd love you to come to Artisan so that you can see whether or not we've employed the right guy on Thursday. No pressure. (laughs) Ten-minute interview could be hard. But no, really, I'd love you to bring friends because they could then think, what? You mean, you believe in a God of grace? I always thought God would just treat me on what I deserve. I've tried to live a good life. Oh, but 
He loves me because he loves me. I mean, that message, that's, that's, I just, just can't get my head around it. You don't get anything for free. Oh, but why didn't you come on Alpha and discover this God? You see, I believe that the creed and this passage point us to one baptism and one church. Paul writes that in the letter to the Corinthians. For in one spirit we're baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. We're made to drink of one spirit. You see, this is symbolic that we are saved into one church. I was thinking about water. I don't know what you think about water. I was thinking Barbados. Man alive. I mean, we'd love to get baptized there, wouldn't we? You suddenly think, golly, yeah, Redeemer, Barbados, anybody wants to go and plant that one for us? <laughs> or I was thinking the Philippines. I mean, pretty impressive, isn't it? Or I was thinking the River Thames. Mm. Yeah, okay, it's not. But what I was thinking about this, in all seriousness, is all those waters are connected. You see, if I jumped into the River Thames, if I could swim far enough, I could get to Barbados. Or I could, you know, get in a boat maybe. I might be able to make it to the Philippines. Because on this planet, the water unites. It's the land that divides. And I believe that symbolism of baptism is that it unites us together in Christ. And that so often we think about what divides. We think about what's slightly different. But actually, when we come here, it's almost like all isolated individual souls are now connected as one into the church. Every nation and every generation should be united in one baptism and one church. Tony Campolo, he's a speaker, an author, says this. In baptism, Christians become part of a body of fellow believers who are called to spiritually encourage one another and hold one another responsible for consistent Christian living. So when we say the creed, we believe in this one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We believe one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. What we're really trying to understand is this amazing picture of what Christ has done for us. And that is expressed through baptism. I just think, isn't it a privilege to be here this morning? We're going to hear the stories of the two people that want to get baptized. I think, oh, wow, this is, this is massive. And we can just hear a few minutes of their life. But we understand this is symbolic of so much more. And it's not just, oh, them over there. We're connected to them. If we're believers, we're all in this same water mass on this planet. We're not isolated individual believers. We're united and anointed by God through baptism. And so I just think, I want us to come with this sense of faith and excitement really about what they're doing, but what God could do in us. I would love to throw the challenge down. Are you a believer and not baptized? Do you understand the richness of this? I don't believe that baptism is necessary for salvation. Salvation comes from Jesus Christ alone. You say to Jesus, I am sorry for what I have done wrong, and he forgives you. It is not necessary for salvation, but it is essential for salvation. Because baptism is your first step 
of saying, you're not just my saviour, you are my Lord. I don't just want you to get me out of a hole. I want to say, I trust you completely. And it may well be that some of you, you're here and you think, golly, I hadn't quite understood the significance of this. We often do a baptism once a term, to be totally honest, and we say, that's it, tickety-boo, 2019, roll on. But I honestly believe there'd be people this morning say, I'd like to get baptized. And we've already booked the pool. We share it with other churches, to be honest. We've booked the pool for another date this term. Because I think God will speak to some of us and say, you know what? I understand the symbolism. I understand that that's who I am. I understand I'm connected to this church. Pete, don't let me get to Christmas without getting in the pool. So if that is you, I would ask that you would speak to me before you leave this building today.